0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: Welcome into another Monday night episode of the Wolverine Live. Uh, here with Clayton Safi. I am Anthony Broom. Chris Ballas not with us tonight. Uh, a little under the weather here, but the show must go on. We will persevere. A lot to get to. We're, we'll just we'll just kind of get right into it here. Uh, the big news of of Monday is. The reported hiring of Chris Partridge, which with the Michigan football program, obviously, if that's a name you've heard before, it's because he did spend four years here uh, as a staffer under Jim Harbaugh 2016 through 2019. uh, Coached the special teams. He coached the linebackers, I think, for two years, and then the safeties for two years. And that's kind of where we're at with it right now. We don't know if he's moving into a... um, you know, a defensive staffer role. We don't know if he's maybe more of an off field guy, like filling the departed uh Biff Poji, um associate head coach role. And this was a super chat here from right off the bat. And we will do other things we will talk about today. We're gonna talk about basketball. We will talk about uh, the whole last segment, we're gonna do QA, we're gonna do questions. So be sure uh to get your questions in. We will put a pin in that and come back to it at the end of the show. But uh, ben leads us off here today uh, with a $10 super chat that plays into our opening segment. This is any, any chance Chris Partridge is coming to replace Biff Poji as Harbaugh's right-hand man, or would that limit his impact on recruiting director of recruiting and or NIL question mark? Uh, Clayton, I'll, I'll go to you on this, but I'll just say, it seems like uh, knowing the ACE recruiter that he was him and Sharon Moore were actually quite the one, two punch there for a couple of years. Uh, it seems like if he's not in a coaching role that it would kind of be a squandered uh, use of his services. But at the same time, this staff is full right now, especially on defense. I mean, Mike Elston is still here. George Chilo is still here. I know there are rumors going around about maybe one, uh, a guy departing, Jay Harbaugh, Steve Klinkscale. Uh, we don't expect those guys to leave, but I guess let's let's discuss what Partridge brings and kind of reintroduce him to our our, uh, our fans here.
0: Yeah, I would say at least not Klinkscale for sure. Um, But yeah, I I think he's going to be in an on-field role. That would be my guess. And Matt Zenitz from On3 reported that he would be as such. Um, So, you know, I would kind of think that that's where Jim Harbaugh goes. And that's a huge, great point by you with, you don't want to tie one hand behind Chris Partridge's back. I mean, he's such a good recruiter. To limit him to only on-campus recruiting, I think would be a disservice to him, the program, all that. Now, Maybe he says, um, you know, well, I'm looking to get a job, you know, somewhere. So maybe this would just be like a one year type of thing. But I don't think that's the case. Um, now, we'll, you know, so it seems like a departure would be imminent here. Uh, George Helo's name has kind of been thrown around there, but nothing confirmed. Yeah, Here's the thing that's interesting when it comes to Jim Harbaugh is you see these NCAA rules about to change, uh, potentially at least. And it seems like it's heading in that direction where analysts would be able to coach. On the field, or you know, off field support staff is, would be able to help on the field. Could Jim Harbaugh, who's known to get creative with this sort of thing, um, get creative with this and and say, okay, well, Partridge is on the field. Maybe let's just say, for example, George Hilo's not, but he can still coach uh, on the field during practice once this rule gets changed. So that might be something to watch too. But uh, I would think there would be a departure, and Chris Partridge would end up. On, uh, on the field for Michigan coaching. Uh, you, in terms of recruiting, I don't know if he needs a title necessarily for that. You already have recruiting coordinator Mike Elston. You already have some recruiting staffers. So I think you just kind of roll with those guys and let that ace recruiter get you back into New Jersey, get some top-level guys there, get you uh, – you know, he, he did a really good job in the South as well. And you mentioned him and Sharon Moore as kind of a tag team. They, they were able to get Dax Hill out of there. Um, out of you know Tulsa, Oklahoma. So there's uh, a lot of opportunities. You see, the graphic for the people on the YouTube there is he was a secondary recruiter for Dax Hill, but everybody else, primary recruiter, uh, and there's plenty of other guys as well. But Rashawn Gary, Chris Hinton, Aubrey Solomon, Caesar Ruiz, um, you know those guys worked out to varying degrees. But he uh, he helped with a lot of other guys too, and you know he's just kind of that guy that uh, seems to connect really well with these co- uh, recruits and. Um, you know, it's kind of weird. Some guys are better recruiters than others and some guys have it. Some guys don't, uh, seems like Chris Partridge has it. So, uh, it's a big ad. Yeah. And I know that the, uh,
1: those pre 2021 Michigan teams, certainly even the pre COVID year teams, they had their share of issues, but, uh, Chris Partridge wasn't one of them. I think he was actually kind of a breath of fresh air when he was with the program because he was. You know, he was a bit of an outsider. He came from the high school ranks. He coached Jabril Peppers uh, at uh, mm-hmm. Ramis uh, Catholic High School in New Jersey. Obviously, a ton of guys have come through, uh, came through that program into Michigan. Uh, again, people forget. I mean, Jay, Jay Harbaugh gets his flowers for Michigan special teams. Jay kind of grabbed the baton from, from Chris Partridge and, uh, who I thought did a really good job with those units uh, earlier on when he was when he was running them. So you know, as far as the hire goes, it makes sense, you know, and it also uh, I don't want to say it's I hesitate to say it's a it's a cautionary tale for guys like Josh Gaddis, but it's also why you don't burn bridges on the way out of town. um I think there was some consternation. Uh, there was some th- i I had heard some chatter pre me being at the Wolverine that you know there was kind of people tripping over each other's feet to maybe be the next in line to Don Brown at defensive coordinator. And I think that if, if Chris Partridge had been someone who had that tab on him, that he may have stuck around at Michigan a little bit longer, but um, he didn't, he went, went to Old Miss and worked with, uh, worked with Lane Kiffin and, and got some experience coaching in the sec, uh, in the sec West, which is, you know, one of the tougher divisions, certainly to play in, in college football, but also to recruit in. Uh, in college football with Bama and and LSU and some of the other schools uh, that you contend with there. So, yeah, I mean, if we'll see what the role winds up being, whether it's, whether it's safeties or whether it's linebackers again, um, you know, if there's some kind of shuffling that is going to take place there um, you you know, it's, it makes sense to me. And if he winds up just being, you know, the, the consigliere to Jim Harbaugh and, replacing the Biff Pogi role, I think he's qualified for that too. And and there's upward trajectory there. Biff Pogi, uh, sorry, was able to parlay that and do a head coaching job uh, at Charlotte. So I'm sure Partridge, maybe uh, I don't know if he wants to run his own program one day, but um, this this is a place where opportunities are plenty. And even um, you know, people forget maybe people forget that, you know, when a guy like Ed Warner came in, uh, you know, he was an analyst and then got elevated to an on-field role. And, you know, some there there are always twists and turns and, and somehow they always, they always find a way, but uh, Chris Partridge was a good guy uh, and, and a great coach, uh, a terrific recruiter. And again, uh, it changes a little bit now given how NIL is impacting some of these recruitments, but, you know, that's a guy who I think is uh, as good as his job as you can as you could possibly ask for uh, given what he's been able to do in the past so uh certainly in favor of it uh again it's it's kind of awkward in that uh it, it seems like there's someone is either on their way out or that hasn't been decided yet, but um I guess we'll ultimately wind up seeing what happens. any other thoughts on on the Chris Partridge move?
0: yeah, I got a chris partridge story um so they have the Chad tough auction every year. Um, and back in 2018, my dad bid on lunch or dinner with uh, an assistant coach. And he bid on two of them, Chris Partridge and Mike Zordich. Um, and they actually weren't going for that much. Um, but, you know, he bid on them. Okay. He wins them both a- almost on accident. We were at a wedding. Uh, so we're kind of bidding on them. You know, we're not really on our phones much. turns out he wins both. So, They set it up where, okay, you're going to go into the building. You get to watch part of practice. This was not supposed to be part of the deal, but it was like, well, since you bought, since you got two of them, let's just knock them out. Go to practice, watch some of that, eat dinner with these guys, and they'll show you a little film in their offices. So got to watch film with him, Zordich, and Jay Harbaugh was kind of a bonus because he was just in there. I think his office was being renovated at the time. And CP, Chris Partridge, could not have been nicer. uh, And I can kind of see why recruits like him laid things out very very easily. We were watching practice back on film and it was just easy to understand that sort of thing. Um and it was just super nice to talk to us or whatever and and give us his time because they're busy during fall camp. So that's my Chris Partridge story. Excited to uh reunite with Chris Partridge. I know you were on the beat obviously at you know during his tenure and everything, but everybody you talk to is like, "Yeah, we love Chris Partridge." And I think you're right about the burning bridges part. He did not do that. <laughs> At all. In fact, I think Michigan probably would have liked to keep him. But, you know, he's a guy that wants to rise and wanted to coordinate his own defense. And Michigan didn't give him that opportunity at the time. And, you know, that's kind of what you do. And now he's looking for something else. And I think he was a great fit at Michigan. There's a lot of trust between he and Jim Harbaugh. You know, Jim's the one that brought him back into the uh, college coaching ranks after uh, his second stint at Paramus. He was at the Citadel before that, I believe. Um, so yeah, just, uh, you know, I think it's, it's good to get him back. We'll see exactly what the official announcement is. We'll see, you know, if there's some shuffling there, Harbaugh, I mean, there is all sorts of precedent for him getting really creative with his staff. And, um, you know, even just before spring ball, you remember two years ago, Matt Weiss comes in, George Helo goes from safeties to linebackers. Jay, uh, no, Jay was still on offense. Jay goes back to tight ends. Ron Bellamy goes to safeties after he was hired as wide receiver. It's like, there's all sorts of opportunity or, uh, you know, potential out there for what Jim's going to do. I don't think it's going to be that crazy because it's just kind of a defensive guy and you would think you'd shuffle it on the defensive side, but you just never know, you know, it could get crazy. Yeah. And Chris Partridge is an example of two. Well, I'm actually glad that we have
1: this parallel to make now and why, you know, you don't, um, I know there were some people out there sort of underwhelmed by the Kirk Campbell hire because of, of a perceived lack of pedigree or whatever it was. But you know, Chris Partridge was an assistant at Paramus Catholic, then went to Lafayette, then worked at the Citadel, and then went back and led Paramus for I think five years. Was Michigan's director of uh, I believe player personnel in 2015, yeah. and then had the on-field roles with them. And again, sometimes it's just a matter of opportunity. Uh, I think that climbing the ladder at times is a little bit overrated because some guys just have – some guys just have it. Some guys just have the chops for the job. And I think that Jim Harbaugh has done a good job of identifying a lot of those types of guys. Um, you know, Partridge was one and, and now is one, I would say, one of the more coveted assistants across the country. Um, you know, who's to say that Kirk Campbell doesn't uh, – and, again, I think Kirk Campbell – again, everything we've heard – positive you know positive momentum there and and they feel like that's going to keep pushing them forward it's just um it, it goes back to kind of trusting the uh you know these guys know football jim harbaugh knows football and and when you have guys with these leadership traits and you know recruiting you know people make so much out of recruiting recruiting is relationship building recruiting is you know having a conversation and relating to young people some guys you know, you don't necessarily have to go from high school to an, uh, a division two to a low power five to, you know, you don't have to climb the ladder all the time. Sometimes you just have it. So um, good on Chris Partridge, good on Michigan. I've It's always felt like one way or another, those two parties would find each other at some point again. I thought maybe it might be when Michigan needed a defensive coordinator after Don Brown, I thought he would have been one of the first calls made. Maybe he was. Uh, we'll see, but, uh, if he winds up being added to this, you know, looking like he's being added to the staff, uh, I mean, whoever it is that, that is on their way out the door, um, minus, you know, Mike Elston, Steve Klinkscale, uh, it's hard to, hard to argue that Chris Partridge isn't an upgrade. So we'll see what happens with that. For sure.
0: Um,
1: yeah, that's a good place to end that segment then. Uh nice natural break from yours, truly. Uh, still breaking through the brain fog here. Uh Clayton,
0: I'm gonna put this the ball on your court here. Do we do the ad read or do we move to basketball? I say we move to basketball, but then we we get the ad in there in the middle. Okay. All right. Well, you're in charge. You're Well, um, you put it on me. What
1: would you want me to say? You want to do the ad read? No, no, I'm I'm fine going to basketball. Let's go to okay. basketball. Um Michigan basketball now winners of two straight after a big road win over the weekend. uh, What was last Thursday at Northwestern huge rivalry win last night uh, or yesterday afternoon against Ohio state. Again, all of a sudden we're, we're sitting here. It's the first time they've won back-to-back games since uh, the Maryland and Penn state games, which were January 1st and January 4th. So it's been, it's been a month, a little over a month and, and, we're sitting here at this point again, where you got a winnable game coming up against Nebraska on Wednesday. And then, you know, a kind of big, what Ken Palm thinks is a coin flip game right now against Indiana at home on Saturday. We've been waiting for a moment where you can kind of, you can potentially look to a spark for the second, you know, the, the second wind down the stretch of the season to maybe put an NCAA tournament resume together right now, Clayton, uh, I'm not there with them just yet. They have to just keep winning games, but you know you you display the the defensive prowess and the the communication, really just the want to that they have in the last couple of games, and and get contributions from a lot of different areas, and you're going to set yourself up uh, pretty nicely in a league that I think is uh, you know Purdue is far and away um, the team to beat in the league. There, I think they're two games up on Rutgers and three games up on everyone else, um, but this is a team that is still very much not just in the mix for the NCAA tournament, but when we start looking at big 10 tournament, they're still like they're in the mix for one of those double buy spots too. I mean, there are six teams sitting there at seven and five in this conference. So what do you make out of what we've seen from this team over the last, uh you know, four five, six
0: days, whatever it's been. I'm hesitant too, just because, you don't know exactly what those two games were. Like Northwestern was playing their fifth game in 11 days. They looked a little bit tired. A lot of jump shots that were off the front end of the rim. A lot of times where I thought Michigan did a great job. I'm not trying to take anything away. Michigan did a great job running on them. They looked like they were scrambling a little bit. Uh, and then Ohio State has lost nine out of 10 now. And they're reeling. I mean, they're they're revoting on captains down there. Chris Holtman was talking about that today. So there's a lot going on with that Ohio state program, but still this is progress and we know winning two in a row for the first time in over a month and, you know, being able to play consistently. Well, I thought on both ends of the floor in two games, straight 40 minutes, the shots were not falling in the first half against Northwestern, but they were still running good offense. I thought they weren't turning it over like they did the first time against Northwestern, the guards played really well. And to me, the biggest difference over the last two games has been Kobe Bufkin in his play. Um, You know, just doing everything right on both ends. He's turning into a really, really good defender better than he already was coming into uh, you know, the the last month or two when he really established himself early on in the season is the only guy who maybe is a plus defender on this team, I guess you could say. Um, But he's kind of taking that next step assisting rebounding. You know, he's becoming one of their top rebounders from the two guard spot and he's playing 35-plus minutes a game at two of the more important positions on the floor, shooting guard. And when he's not at shooting guard, he's either sitting on the bench for about 30 seconds until Juwan throws him back in to play point guard and give Doug McDaniel a spell. So that's that's big-time stuff. Um, And Hunter Dickinson playing as well as he did against Ohio State doesn't hurt either. But, I mean, I'm with you. Uh, To me, they're not on the NCAA tournament bubble or they're not in that conversation yet. But look at these two weeks they have coming up. I mean, you should beat Nebraska. I know Nebraska has, you know, they have like barely anyone left that's still healthy, but they were somehow able to play really well on Sunday against Penn State. I thought Tomanaga. I was watching that game while we were were writing after the game, had kind of one eye on it. Tomanaga is kind of a fun player to watch. Great shooter um, and and played his, you know, played out of his mind. I think he had 30. Um, So, you know, you should win that. And then the Saturday game against Indiana – as you said, it, I was kind of looking at it earlier, coin flip type of game. You know, Indiana's very good. They just beat Purdue, but they're not invincible on the road. They lost to Maryland last week. And then you go at Wisconsin, which is one of the easier places to play right now in the Big Ten. If you look at uh, what they're doing at home, it's not the Kohl Center of old. And it's mostly because that team is not very good right now. They cannot score at all. Uh, so that's kind of a coin flip game. I know it's probably going to be a two, three point spread. And then it's kind of a coin flip game against Michigan State the following Saturday. If you can get three out of four, then, and you really just win at home, which is, you know, Michigan's done a pretty good job of in Big Ten play, only lost to Purdue. Then you're looking at a situation where you are on the bubble again. The schedule gets really tough at the end, but you want to be in that spot. um, And, you know, where you could steal a road win at Illinois, or you could beat Rutgers on the road. And that would maybe get you right back in that conversation. I continue to target 19 wins for this team to get in, whether that's regular season or Big Ten tournament. If you get to 20, I think you're sweating maybe a little bit. Maybe the palms are a little bit sweaty on uh, Selection Sunday, but you would feel pretty damn good about your chances. So it's, it's these two weeks, man. If they don't get it done then, then they got to win the Big Ten tournament. And that's really hard to do for a team. You know, I, I don't trust this team to win four or five games in a row. In in consecutive days, you know, because we just haven't seen them do that at all in in you know the whole season really. Three games is the most they've won in a row, so it, that would be really tough.
1: Yeah, the three games they won in a row were the three at the start of the season, which was Purdue, Fort Wayne, Eastern Michigan, and Pittsburgh. So and they,
0: I mean, they barely beat Eastern. Yeah, <laughs> we were yeah, at that, that game. Was,
1: like that, was, that was that was a fun game to be at, but not a fun one to uh, you know for analytics purposes or uh.
0: looking at that game though. And then was it the Ohio game too? Yeah. So they go to overtime against Ohio, like the difference, you know, it was frustrating watching those games, you know, Michigan struggled for large portions of those games, but the difference between a win in, even in overtime against Ohio or by what one point or five points ended up being, but it was really close to Eastern. Yeah. Five points between that and a loss to central Michigan like they did on December 29th, is so big for this team. If you look back at that Central game, if that, wouldn't have, if that would not have gone the other direction, you wouldn't have that black mark. No offense to your alma mater, Andy, but you wouldn't have that black mark on your resume that is kind of holding them back right now because they do have so much ground to make up, largely because of that game. And then if you also look at the Iowa game, which they absolutely blew in Iowa City, that would have given them a quad one road, game, uh, road win. And we'd be looking at the Big Ten standings even differently right now with Michigan. So it shows you, man, like go back to those games, that three-game win streak. Yeah, there was a tough Eastern Michigan game that they easily could have lost in Detroit. But the difference between that and losing to a team like that or Central Michigan or whatever is so big. And those are kind of the games that can swing a bubble team season. Just a bounce of the ball this way, a bounce of the ball that way, something that happens crazy You know, a few days before New Year's Eve, um, you know, that's going to be one if they don't make the tournament for the first time in in seven tournaments, they're going to be looking at that CMU game and the Iowa game and saying, you know, it could have been a lot differently down different down the stretch, you know, in terms of outlook, because, uh, you know, it was it was that razor thin.
1: Yeah, those are damning, and and I was gonna say like I I watch I physically among the two of us here I physically watched them lose to Central Michigan in person, so yeah they are capable of I think beating anyone on their schedule the rest of the way, uh, but they are also capable of losing, and as we saw the Penn State game losing badly to anyone on the schedule as well, and you know you look at this resume I think those um, you know those close decisions and some of those bye games uh, are not. Are not good for them but they went it took them until thursday to have a quad one victory which thursday was february 2nd you're gonna have a really hard time building a tournament resume when you go until february until you win a quad one game so um they've got a lot of them coming up and you, you have to just keep building uh it is uh again we haven't seen this team win more than two games in a row against a quality opponent this year um uh, so it's going to be, I would expect them to win a third. I mean, this Nebraska team is not good, but again, you got to show up and you got to play. And I think that far too many times this season, this team has kind of said, all right, well, we lost that game, but we know look, I mean, we competed against Virginia. We competed against Kentucky. We competed against North Carolina. We know that we're good. So we'll just be fine. We'll go out there and get after it next time. No, this is, this is different now. Your margin of error is completely gone here. So Uh, and i i think they
0: i think they understand that at this point yeah me and you
1: say too we talked to uh i talked to jet howard after the game uh yesterday and he basically said the message right now is that every game for us is basically like playing a game seven uh in the nba like they have to you know they don't have a margin for error here uh you can probably afford you know you're not welcome you know you're not welcoming a loss anywhere obviously but You know, no one's going to kill you if you go to the rack in a couple weeks and lose. No one's going to be upset if you, you know, go six and two or whatever it is. I think that's probably, um, I've been kind of targeting the the 19 feels like the number. And then you go add one or two more in Chicago. That feels like, that feels, it's attainable. Uh, I don't know that you can you know, I just haven't seen anything enough consistently, uh, from this team, uh, to have confidence in that. So, but there's also kind of an excitement to, to that and that game to game, let's see what this, what they have. And the resume will build itself last year. Um, somehow at 17 and, uh, was it 17 and 15, they got into the tournament 14 or 17 and 14. And then they went and won a couple games. So again, um, there's a lot to still play for. And even, you know, you look at the growth of guys like Kobe Bufkin, who will take a question on him a little bit later. Uh, you look at the, his growth and you look at how some of the other pieces are coming together. And we've talked about before how this is a team that we think will probably mostly be back next year. Um, there's some equity in that, but in the here and now the expectation is that you make the NCAA tournament. And if they don't do that, it will be a disappointing season. There's no other way around it. So another big week for them. Ah, uh, you look at this slate coming up. Got to get this one Wednesday. Uh, the nice, ne- the nice thing about it is the next time we speak on Thursday, we'll we'll be able to speak about that game in preview Indiana. Um, you've got you can win both these games against Wisconsin. Um, you can beat Michigan State a week from Saturday. Um, three those those last four, three of those last four at Rutgers, at Illinois, at Indiana. Those are all going to be tough. Uh, there's no question about that. So. Um, Yeah, it feels like you got to get one of those, probably a couple of those in that last cluster. You just got to keep building. So we'll see what happens. Any any other thoughts on hoops before we talk about our friends over at the Rogue Shop?
0: Yeah, and I'm sure we'll, you know, we'll probably address it in some of the Q and A with some of the questions, and keep getting those in, folks, in the uh, chat. There, we appreciate you, and we'll skip you to the front of the line if you got a super chat as well. Use that donate function. But to me, it's like. I agree. And I think I even said this last week. Uh, I think it was last Monday and it might've just been me and Chris, but we were talking about, you know, it was coming off of that Penn state game. So everyone was just so down on this team and rightfully so. I mean, that was a terrible performance in a game where they really needed, but sometimes you gotta, you gotta remember Penn state needed that game too. I mean, they're like, we got a game here at home. We have to win this thing. They're on the bubble as well, more on the bubble than Michigan, but Um, you know, I was talking about how, yeah, there's about six weeks left. And that was at that point. And maybe the tournament hopes will be dead at some point here. You know, they certainly looked bleak a week ago, but as you brought up, like a lot of this team's going to be back and whether Jet Howard is or not, or whether Hunter Dickinson is or not remains to be seen. But a lot of the key pieces like Doug McDaniel, you'd assume Kobe Bufkin, those sorts of guys, they're going to be back. And, you know, so you got to build towards that. But at the same time, you know, what if those guys are turning a little bit of a corner? Buffkin is one of those guys that seems to be. We'll see if he can string it together a little bit more because he's had some great moments throughout this season, and then he's had some dips. Uh, and I know there's a lot on his plate, so I'm certainly not knocking him for it. But what if this last month is the light turning on for some of those freshmen that are quote unquote no longer freshmen? I know Jawan Howard. Uh, addressed that question a week or two ago. And he was like, no, they're still freshmen, trust me. Um, But, and and he's right, but yeah, maybe a young team, you know, kind of finding its own a little bit now that they've been playing together for a few months with this current setup after the Jalen Llewellyn injury, you never know. I mean, maybe they are good enough to win some games on the road. I will say this, the two road wins were, you know, so far have been Minnesota, terrible team, especially what they were back in December. And then Northwestern, tired legs. It's not a tough gym. I was at the game and there were plenty of Michigan fans there. They, they kind of took over at the end as you would kind of expect. So, you know, going into the Kohl Center, and I, I know I said earlier, this is not a good Wisconsin team. They haven't played as well as you would expect at home. That'd still be a nice statement and would show to me that Michigan could go in and have a chance against Rutgers, Illinois, um, who else is on the road at the end, the, the last game at Indiana. You know, you wouldn't expect them to win one, but if they needed to steal one to keep those bubble hopes alive, you would think they could. So everything's riding on these couple weeks, and who knows? They may just have a guy in Kobe Bufkin and maybe some other pieces stepping up and playing their best basketball at the right time and becoming a better team than you were. Because this current team probably isn't good enough to make that run that they need to. But if they are turning that corner, then they might be, and you know that's kind of exciting. So at least there's a little excitement going into this this next week, but I don't want to get, you know, too carried away. Cause it's just two wins against a man team that was tired and an Ohio state team. That's reeling.
1: yeah, it's almost, uh, I I don't know why this parallel just kind of came into my head, but it's also not quite to the same extent, but it's almost like that. Um, the, the little run that the Lion the Detroit lions went on at the end of the year where it's like, okay, it kind of feels like this is a lost season, but, I guess yeah. if you string some wins together, all hope isn't lost. And, you know, maybe maybe they can flip a switch and make a push at this, make a run at this late. And I think that would be big for them, given the fact that there is, you know, there are so many young pieces, especially that that backcourt, like we said. So it's going to be, again, I'm still as as disheartening as a lot of this year has been. They're 13 and 10. I know that's that's not where a lot of people expect them to be. I'm still locked into them uh, every night. Cause I think that there is the best version of this team. There, There's a good basketball team in there somewhere. Um, it's going to take some growth, take some consistency. It takes some buy-in and we've seen that over the last couple of games, but um, you know, you got to come out Wednesday feels like the biggest test yet. And that it is, it is a situation so primed for a team like them to overlook that, it's it just it just feels like a you know it, it feels more important than i think the the rankings or the the resumes whatever will tell you so i'm uh i'm fascinated by that so
0: when you have 13 wins on february 6th or 7th every game is massive so they better not overlook that thing
1: yeah that's that's i'm fast i it's i'm fascinated by it i, I can't i can't wait to see how that plays out uh because they all matter right now so all right, let's talk about our friends over at the Rogue Shop. Of course, uh, sponsors of our Monday night show. Going back, uh, gosh, it, it's been feels like it's been five, six, seven months, whatever it is. Uh, we've loved, we've loved their uh, fellowship. We've loved their support of us. Uh, I want to take a few moments to talk about our friends Richard and Charmaine. Of course, Richard is a disabled combat veteran. Uh, Char is a certified CBD consultant and life coach. Uh, they specialize in uh, their craft cannabis farmers who specialize in small batch sustainable plant medicine. So if you're someone who's dealing with chronic pain, with insomnia, uh, stress, having trouble um, you know, with, with sleeping or any other types of pains that you might have, they have a menu of products that can serve you on a number of levels. Uh, we're talking Delta 8, Delta 9, CBD, THC. They're all lab direct without middlemen. Uh, some of the psychoactive products that they carry are gummies, moon rocks, pre-rolls, dabs, diamonds, lollipops, hard candies, tinctures. They have salves, lip balms, bath soaks, soaps, CBD flowers, hot cocoa, It's all there. Uh, They grow their own stuff. They manufacture their own products with their own two hands, unlike competitors who are replacing humans with machines. Uh, Each box that they send out comes with a handwritten letter sent with love, of course, uh, that adds an extra touch to their care packages. Uh, They're licensed by the USDA for growing uh, in Wisconsin and Texas, as well as manufacturing. All of their products are tested by a third party. So, um, yeah, we have a, a promo code to share uh, with promo code The Wolverine. We'll get you 10% off at rogue That's rogueshop.com. That's R O G U E S H O P.com. Promo code The Wolverine. Uh, Richard is on uh, our message board as Mr. Rogue. He will also answer your questions there. They have a live chat function on the site where they will always engage with you guys. So uh, we we have loved working with them. They've been very receptive to us. Uh, we've gotten good feedback from them. So, uh,
0: yeah, shout out to our friends Richard and Charmaine, right, Clayton? Fantastic people. Um, I say it every week, but the live chat function is just such a good idea by them because a lot of people are just getting into this stuff, especially with the legalization over the last couple of years and with just how popular it's becoming, CBD, CBD. And everything else. So go on there, talk to them directly, their mom and pop shop. They want to help you out. Actually, one of their goals is to educate people on this stuff. So do that, figure out what's the best fit for you, what kind of product you need. That's what we did. We actually hopped on a zoom with them. They hooked us up and it's, uh, it's been fantastic. Yeah. So,
1: uh, again, that's R O U or I'm sorry, R O G U E S H O P dot com. RogueShop.com promo code, the Wolverine will get you 10% off your order. Uh, again, sleeping, chronic pain, anxiety, stress. Those are all things that uh, I think a lot of us deal with and give it a shot. Um, you know, I, I was someone who never took, uh, took part in any sort of plant medicine or things like that. And, and it really has, when I've, when I've dipped into that with what they've sent us, it has been helpful and it has, uh, it's it's been fun to work with those guys so uh that's once again rogueshop.com promo code the wolverine
0: look at uh trey conrad in the comments he says rogueshop gets an a plus for me great product and great customer service so one of our uh listeners slash viewers on there chiming in with uh with the feedback on rogue shop everybody loves everybody i've talked to that has, has used it loves it so thank
1: you trey absolutely uh trey also asked where where is cb tonight did he already take his rogue shop supplement <laughs> for the evening <laughs> maybe i don't know we don't we don't you know, know we don't know um hope he's okay i think he's okay but everyone needs a break every once in a while i was obviously not here last week and a lot of good that did me because i spent the last four or five days as sick as i've been in a while so um no it was good to get away though uh everyone needs to build in that time for themselves so Uh, At this point, we'll probably spend the next 10 minutes or so taking your questions here. We already have a bunch sort of queued up. Um, I will say this. There have been a couple of recruiting questions that have come in there. I'm going to go ahead and right off the bat, steer you to tomorrow night's show. um, If you have any recruiting queries uh, for EJ Holland and Zach Libby. Also, uh, EJ will be live on Wednesday that's a little more of their area. I know uh, Natalie has a couple recruiting questions in there. Um, I think you're going to get the most out of those. If you, if you go with our guys, EJ and Zach. So um, we do appreciate you hopping on and watching this show, uh, but want to shout out our other guys as well. So uh, we're going to go to James Cooper films right off the bat who asks it's a Chris Partridge question, 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 I should say, uh, is Chris Partridge one of the best recruiters that Michigan has ever had? Uh, Clayton, you wrote the article. So, I mean, you could, you could probably speak on that a little more in terms of historical context, but it feels like recent history. He's helped land a lot of foundational players.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's won national recruiter of the year, uh, or at least was in a, a top list, I believe in 2016. So he's, he's done a great job in recent memory. He's definitely one of the best in the Jim Harbaugh era. I mean, it'd be tough for me, especially before I was kind of covering it and looking at it that close with who was recruiting who and that sort of thing. It'd be tough for me to kind of rank that historically. I mean, I know people talk about Fred Jackson as a great recruiter, guys like that, but uh, in terms of the Jim Harbaugh era, I would say he's absolutely right up there. Rashawn Gary is a secondary on Dax Hill, Aubrey Solomon, Chris Hinton, Cesar Ruiz. I mean, other guys that, that uh, he helped recruit were Ambry Thomas, Trent A. Jones, Kareem Walker, Cam McGrone, Jordan Morant, Josh Ross, Macari Page, R.J. Moten, Brad Hawkins, David Ajabo was in the mix there. I mean, so lots of names um, that, you know, were big lands for Michigan, that were productive players for Michigan, or, you know, some of those higher rated guys, and it's probably a different topic, but, you know, maybe didn't work out. Um, You know, a guy like Aubrey Solomon had a pretty quiet Michigan career and then he transfers to Tennessee and was pretty quiet there. But um, overall, I mean, those were those were big lands. And even if a guy like Aubrey Solomon didn't work out necessarily at Michigan, although he you know, had had some I think he had 30, 40 tackles, something like that, you know, had some production. it, It shows to me that he can go get a guy who's highly coveted. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, he's not the one necessarily always doing all the evaluations on these guys. They obviously collaborate, talk about this stuff, and who to offer and who to go after. But if you tell Chris Partridge to go after somebody, you're going to have a hell of a shot of landing him, I think. Now, mm-hmm. since Chris Partridge, uh, you know, was last at Michigan, NIL has become a factor. So I saw this topic come up on our message board over at the is, well, how much does this stuff really matter because everyone's just going to take the biggest bag now? And, you know, it's a, it's a fair question, but I'll say this. You are what you are right now with NIL in Michigan, and I know it's improving, and I know you want to get better at that. I'm not conceding anything here, but you're in your current reality. You know, even if that improves, you'll still be in that current reality. If Chris Partridge is on your staff, you're going to have, you know, a great shot at maximizing what you can do with that current reality. So I think that's important to note. It still matters. I mean, there are guys like Matt Weiss who didn't recruit well during NIL. And then there are guys like Steve Klingscale who has recruited pretty well during NIL. So what was the difference between those two? Well, Steve Klinkscale is a hell of a recruiter. And Matt Weiss didn't really know what he was doing with recruiting. So there is still something to be said about being a good recruiter. And as things kind of even out, Michigan improves on this front. I think it's going to prove itself to be really important to still be a relationship builder, a guy who connects well with these guys and, and, you know, whatever else goes into recruiting, you know, texting these guys all the time, playing Fortnite with them. Maybe, I don't know what they do Madden, but uh, yeah, I think it's still going to be big and he's, he's definitely one of the best recruiters I can recall in recent history.
1: Yeah. And I think that history, again, I know the way that Michigan's done NIL has been frustrating and, and slow moving, but I do think that history is going to be on their side in terms of letting once they have a couple years they have a couple of years of data now where they can say this is what X player at X position has made, you know, given these accolades and, and these types of things. Um, you know, I know that there's been there's been a lot of, you know, guys recruiting five star, four star, three star, whatever it is, these guys are lotto tickets and But guess what? If I'm bringing in more four stars than I am three stars, I'm feeling a hell a hell of a lot better about where my future it is at than than anyone else. I mean, that's the difference between being, you know, Michigan and say Iowa. Uh, You know, I know that the recruiting the last couple years hasn't been crazy uh, in terms of you know landing top flight guys. But you look at the bones of this team now: Donovan Edwards, fringe five star guy; JJ McCarthy, fringe five star guy. Those are the guys that Michigan has to get back to landing. And Chris Partridge is the type of recruiter um, that I think NIL, landscape or not, is going to help you get back to that point. There are always going to be guys that... Uh, I, I hate to burst anyone's bubble here, but there were guys that were... There are always going to be people that are just going to want to take the bag. Uh, I don't think that it behooves Michigan to play that game. And to be honest with you, schools have been playing that game long before NIL was ever legal. So... Um, you know, you just need to have you have to have guys in there that are adept at building relationships. And uh Chris Partridge is that. So again, best recruiters ever. I mean, they've only really been keeping track of recruiting rankings and, and who's landed who over the last two decades or so. But uh yeah, I mean you look at the, the guys that he's brought in uh from a rankings perspective, it's it's worked out, and we'll see if we'll see if they can get back to that. So Uh, We'll stay with football here. Um, And I guess it kind of goes into this, what we're already talking about from David Wright uh, of the formerly of the New York Mets, maybe, I don't know, just taking a stab here. Uh, Could this be a sign that recruiting is going to improve and be a priority that moves the needle? I think we just kind of spoke to that. I think that this is a, um, you know, depending on who the, who or what happens with the, the swap or the shuffle uh, I think that it is it is an upgrade on the recruiting trail With you know, in a lot of ways. Um, maybe you lose something in on-field coaching. I don't know because I don't know what the hell is going on. That's the other thing, sidebar. Sometimes there's value in just saying you don't know what the hell is going on as opposed to just throwing stuff at the wall. So uh, I would just interject that there. But, um, yeah, I mean, do you have any other thoughts on how this will affect the recruiting trail? I think we kind of more or less covered it.
0: Yeah, I think it'll help. I don't know necessarily, though, that David Wright from the New York Mets, by the way, a big fan, that his – like, I don't necessarily think this is a sign that recruiting's going to improve or that it's a priority. Um, I think it's more of Jim Harbaugh saying, hey, you know, Chris Partridge is on the market. What can I do to bring him into my staff? I don't think it's, it's him saying, like, someone else wasn't getting the job done on the trail, that sort of thing. I know they didn't have a great cycle. Recruiting wise, but I would say it's more about what Chris Partridge individually brings as opposed to like Jim Harbaugh having thought all along that he's going to make this change because recruiting needs to improve. They want it to improve. You always want it to improve. They need it to improve. But I don't know that it's some, you know, part of some grand scheme. I I think it's more of, hey, how can we make these pieces fit? Because there's a guy I really want and I trust uh, on the market. So I think it's more that than anything. Yeah, keep in mind, they never wanted him to leave.
1: There was nobody at Michigan that wanted Chris Partridge to leave. So it might just be one of those, you know, get him back and figure it out type of things. So uh, I think that'll do it for Partridge in football. Everything else is basketball here. So, and this is what we'll we'll take to, to ride out the show. This is from our pal, Jacob Sherba, who says, is there a schematic or technique change that you've seen that's contributed to Kobe Bufkin's newfound success and leadership? Or is this simply a result of putting the team on his back in a time of need? To be honest, I think that I think that he just had to play basketball. Uh, we often talk about the Jim Harbaugh quote, the only way to get better at football is to play more football. I think for Kobe Bufkin, it's been a matter of, you know, getting him on the court for more than 10 minutes in a game. You know, his playing time has tripled this year in the starting lineup. He put in the work in the weight room. Uh, he's taken to some of the technique work. I remember we talked to Phil Martelli. I think it was at the, teams, uh, the team media day uh, before the season. And he said, I, I asked Kobe Bufkin after last season who he watched in the Big Ten that he wanted to emulate. And he could have said, um, you know, he could have said Jaden Ivey. He could have said a number of guys. He told Phil Martelli that he wanted to be Eli Brooks. And when you want to emulate Eli Brooks, you have to bring energy on both ends of the floor. You have to rebound the basketball. You have to distribute the basketball and you have to make timely shots in in big moments for this team. And, you know, at times it's been a struggle for him. He's only a sophomore, but um, I think the last, really, I mean, from the jump this year, I think he's been Michigan's best all around player and I know that on a given night, Hunter will drop twenty-five and ten or whatever it is, and Jet Howard can go six for eight from three. But if if there's you know if I'm at the team banquet at the end of the year and I'm I'm voting on a team MVP, to me it's Kobe Bufkin.
0: Yeah, that's that's an interesting thought. I mean, so much so much depends on Hunter, but there's a case to be made, especially with the fact that Kobe's becoming that two-way player that Juwan Howard always talks about and quick tangent on that leadership or, or the kind of Eli Brooks thing you just talked about. And then with Jacob Sherba, great, great uh, listener viewer and uh, message board poster at the Wolverine points out, you know, the word leadership. I remember Eli Brooks, entire career, especially the last few years, once Muhammad Ali Abdul Rahman left, <laughs> he was saying, I want to be like him. That's kind of the guy that I looked up to when I was a younger guy on this team. And now that I'm a leader, I want to lead like he did. That trickle-down effect now with Kobe Bufkin doing that with Eli Brooks is something that makes this program over the last 15 years pretty special because you've seen that happen. That's just one example, but you've seen all sorts of examples like that. So that's huge that he's doing that. And to answer, Jacob, your question of, you know, is it kind of him putting his team on the back in a time of need or is it more schematic? I think it's kind of him realizing – and, and putting the team on his back uh, and also improving, you know, it's kind of a combination, also improving his feel on the offensive end, him running those ball screens that he's doing at such a high level right now has, has really uh, had an uptick. I think defensively guarding ball screens, something that Michigan's been terrible at over the last two years, has really improved because of Kobe Bufkin. I mean, the way, the way he just absolutely shut down some ball screens against Northwestern, who runs a, a lot of them, and then Ohio State, I thought was fantastic. And Kobe was guarding whoever was hot on Ohio State. Uh, you know, he went from one guy to the next. And then same thing, Northwestern. He shuts down Chase Audija at the beginning of the game, and then they throw him on Boo Booey after that, and he was great on both guys. So it's it's those two things, I think. Ball screens on offense, ball screens on defense. And then the, the rebounding thing. He has such a good knack for going up and getting the ball, like knowing when to go after it, knowing what angle to come from. Um, it's fun to watch him rebound the sky for some of those rebounds like on Sunday. So that's probably more instinctual, but it's more of, and I think he talked about this yesterday too, when I went over to his area during the media stuff where he was saying that he realized like, I got to get back to rebounding like that, like I did in high school because this team needs it and they do need it. And those have been huge over the last two games. I think that is now for him, is that like 20 rebounds in two games or, or something like that? and like 15 assists and 28 points. I mean, that's just – that. I mean, that's stuff you talk about when you're talking about like a high-level, all-Big Ten type of player. He played like that in this stretch. He needs to keep it going, but I think it's a combination of both. Uh, I think it's a huge sign for this team going forward the rest of the way and into the future, Um, and, you know, we'll see. He looks like a guy that's going to play in the NBA if he can get that jump shot right, which uh, I think he will be able to. Absolutely. So uh,
1: yeah, I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see where he goes. He is, he's, he's kind of been to me the most interesting guy to track throughout the year because, you know, he did come in, you know, people forget he was, he was a top 40 recruit. Um, he was a guy that was, you know, I know that Musa Diabate and Caleb Houston sat atop that, that recruiting class and, and Frankie Collins was a guy that, you know, obviously there was a lot of attention towards him, but, those guys leave he's kind of like the lead dog in that class now along with will cheddar and um why am i blinking oh isaiah, uh, barnes. isaiah barnes yeah um, he's definitely
0: the lead dog in that class yeah he's he's no offense far too. i love Will cheddar, but...
1: um and Juwan has caught a lot of heat for not you know developing more guys right off the recruiting trail and turning them into these three or four year program type of players um you know, I guess technically Terrence Williams is that right now, but to be frank, he's kind of just been a black hole um, at the four outside of, he's had some timely plays here and there, but uh, been a bit of a letdown, but Kobe Buffkin's is a foundational piece. Doug McDaniel looks like he's a foundational piece. And that's why going back to our conversation from earlier, I'm, you know, whether it's NCAA tournament or not this year, I'm excited to watch those guys keep playing basketball in whatever form it takes the rest of the way, because, those guys, I think, are, are are you know the the guys that'll be leading the way next year. So uh thank you, Jacob, for the question. We'll take this last one here from Evan Corson, who says, wouldn't Michigan have to win all of their games in a row to go far in the NCA tournament, or is the only thing that matters getting in? Um I'm not a hundred percent sure what's i mean, yeah, if you're gonna go far in the NCA tournament you have to make the tournament and then win a lot of games in a row to go far in it. So yeah, uh, I guess by your definition, they would have to win a lot of their games in a row. I don't think they need to win all of their games left to get into the tournament, but if they want to make a run, yeah, they'll have to win as many as they can to to make that happen. So um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how else to answer that Clayton, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah. Maybe he's just referring to us talking about what they need to do to get in yeah, and confusing that with us saying that's the only thing that's important. Right now, to me, that's that's the only thing that's important is is not the only thing, you know. There's so many other things that goes into it, including development, like we've talked about. But in terms of your season, where you want to go, I mean, you want to get in the tournament. I don't think you should make any bones about that. Um, now, once you get there, you want to have success. Something Michigan has had uh, immense success over the last... 13, 15 years, uh, including the last five, making the Sweet 16. I will say this. We talk about, you know, and I said it earlier, like they haven't won games in a row, so I have no reason to believe that they're going to do it and whether that's the Big Ten tournament or the NCAA tournament, whatever. But I wouldn't rule anything out because we saw last year they went every other, every other, every other win-loss, win-loss last year until the NCAA tournament. <laughs> they win two in a row and look great in that second game. Against Tennessee to get to a fifth straight, sweet 16. Now, I did, uh, I do remember that they played the managers. They scrimmaged the managers on that off day in between Colorado State and Tennessee, had the managers win. And then, so then that was kind of the loss. They got that out of the way. Then they beat Tennessee. It was kind of a funny thing that Hunter Dickinson said. And I think they actually did in practice in that off day. Um, so that's kind of funny. But no, I mean, I wouldn't rule anything out. Like we've seen teams that have had trouble with consistency string together some runs in NCAA tournaments. Um, You've seen Syracuse do it a handful of times over the last 10 years or so, even when they're a lower seed teams like that. So we could see it, but uh, no, the only thing that matters is, is not getting in, not when you're a program of this caliber, but when you're 13 and 10 on February 6th, and you're about to play again on February 8th or whatever it is, And, you know, then, yeah, you're kind of looking at what do we need to do to to make the tournament?
1: Yeah, at this point, you have to take the season for what it is, not what we expected it or wanted it to be. Uh, And, you know, who's to say? I I think that at at its best, if they can find a consistent level, could this team get in the tournament and make the second weekend? Sure. I mean, it's possible. They did it last last year. Um, Now, last year's team, you know, you look at all the numbers and they were better offensively, slightly better defensively, or, or maybe not. We'll, we'll see what ends up happening the rest of the way. But yeah, I mean, this isn't a program where you you know you just get excited about making the tournament. We get that, uh, but at the same time, with this group, with the pieces there, with how young they are, and and to be frank, with how injured they've been at times, uh, you know, give, setting yourself up to get there, even if you get left out of the picture on Selection Sunday. You want to you want to just be on the graphic. You want to be on the you know you want to be on the bubble, and whether you're on the right side of it or not, Michigan doesn't have a, an, much of an argument as to being on the right side of the bubble right now. They've got to earn their way there, and if they find a way to get to the tournament, it will be because they have earned their way there. And I think that's the uh, that's the most I guess that's that's what rings as exciting to it because they will have kind of climbed out of a dark place. That Penn State loss was a very dark place. The Central Michigan loss very dark place uh to make it happen and you know it would just it would be fun it would be better for us it would be a lot more fun to talk about that and to maybe cover some ncaa tournament games so a uh, quick couple quick shout outs here uh charles stanton says the ladies of the hard floor are very close to becoming an elite women's basketball program shout out to them a big day for michigan basketball men's and women's beat ohio state beat michigan state yesterday and then uh, Natalie, with a quick little question on update on Jim Jim Harbaugh's contract. No news, nothing new to report there. Um, what happens with Jim Harbaugh's contract just remains the the shrug meme until something is signed. So,
0: yeah, I mean, it seems like the hold up still the NCAA investigation. So that could last forever. Uh, will they pick back up? Contract talks soon before that gets resolved. I would guess yes at some point this offseason, but maybe not right away. And, yes, absolutely on the women's team. Uh, Three straight wins now. Big win over Michigan State. I mean, Michigan State's not great. They're not good. But it's still Michigan State who uh, they had 9,000 people at the Breslin yesterday for that game. Michigan projected four seed in a bracket I'm looking at a few days ago. That's pretty significant because – There's a lot of chalk in the women's tournament and just the women's game in general. So if you can be a four seed, I mean, it means you're projected to make the sweet 16 something Michigan's only done twice. So this could be uh, another really great year.
1: All right. Well, Clayton, I think that's where we're going to call it tonight. Uh, Again, thanks to everyone who watched. Uh, Thanks to our friends at rogue shop producer Hutch uh, behind the curtain. uh, So to speak Um, I'm Anthony broom for Clayton safety for Hutch for the Wolverine we're out. Uh, we will talk to you again Thursday. And then next Monday night, we will be live again at six o'clock. So be sure to like uh, this video and subscribe to the Wolverine. Uh, leave us a review wherever you get your podcast as well. We will be, we're always in the audio feed after the fact. So a uh, subscription to the Wolverine is twenty nine ninety nine through the start of football season next year or this year now, um, August 31st. So be sure to jump on that offer for, premium access and all the goodies and more. Thanks guys. We'll talk to you again soon.